1: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
0: You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
2: hey everybody what's up it's fabs here with another edition of the nfl fantasy football podcast uh marcus is off today so i brought in a dear friend uh you may know him from sirius xm fantasy sports radio football diehards it's Bob Harrison. Uh, oh, by the way, this new show over on SiriusXM called Fantasy Dirt, which you may or may not heard of. Bob, how are you, my friend? Thanks for joining us. I'm fantastic. Thanks
3: for asking me. Anytime I can chip in and help uh, my friends out, including Marcus, uh, condolences to him and, uh, and hope all is well.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so uh, Marcus is off. He'll be back next week. Um, and, uh, you know, just quick thoughts. Looks like uh, hopefully we're going to be getting back to some semblance of normalcy here, um, you know, in, in the next few weeks. Uh, there's a lot that's been going on in our country, and uh, again, we just want to remind everybody that you know we're here to be an escape, and hopefully this country is uh, is going to be headed in the right direction uh, after everything that we've we've sort of uh, seen and gone through. Over the last few weeks. So before we get into the headlines, I want to bring in uh, our faithful producer, Eddie Murphy. Eddie! How are you, my friend? I'm good,
4: Fabs. Uh, we were just talking off air. I think I'm making a big mistake going back home to to see family in New York because uh, out here for us in Los Angeles, I mean, all this stuff's opening up. We could, we could <laughs> dine in restaurants again and, and, and order uh, it, you know, beers and food and sit down. And it feels like uh, old times again. Something that you thought was never going to come back is now uh, it's all of a sudden here and it looks like uh, sports are slowly coming back too. So hopefully things are uh, changing for the better.
2: I mean MLB, get your get your act together. Like, it's, I, what it's, is that, I bro? Mean, I, I, and and I don't. I mean, I'm sure both sides have have reasonable arguments for uh, uh, you know playing and not playing, but the, the the optics are bad right now. MLB. the players
4: are trying to meet halfway. The owners aren't. Like, right. I understand. Right, right. But at least the players are trying here. It's it's. Yeah. I mean, as much as I want to watch the Yankees, it's like I can't. I can't blame those players. I know you feel the same way.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, um. The owners got to do right by by, you know, the players they got to do right by the fans and get this thing rolling, man. I mean, like it seems like it's it's, it's a battle between sort of like the number of games played and, and the amount of uh, the contracts that actually paid out to the players. And admittedly, I'm no expert in this. I've just been reading uh, what I see online. And, and of course, a lot of times you have to take that with a grain of salt. So I just hope that they can come together. You know, Eddie and I, are diehard Yankees fans, and, and hell, I just miss baseball, man. I just so miss. Th- this sports. is
3: baseball we're talking about. This right? is baseball.
2: They're, they're, they're like, see, see, no, they play the, this game. It's on a diamond. The guys hey, get up to the plate right, with these man. wooden sticks called bats.
3: It's a horse high thing. I'm okay uh, murdering the pigs to play the football. The horses, I'm not okay with. Them, so.
2: <laughs> well, anyways, uh, we're, we're hoping we get baseball back. Looks like basketball and hockey uh, on the fast track back uh, sooner rather than later. So. That's a good thing, but um let's get off of the baseball topic and let's do some news.
1: Let's do the news.
2: First off, uh, the big headline this week is, is, of course, Dalvin Cook, who has said that he will hold out without a reasonable contract offer. Now, uh, we also saw Tom Pellicero yesterday on uh, NFL network basically saying that uh, the new collective bargaining agreement makes it virtually prohibitive for a player uh, in Dalvin cook's position to actually carry out a holdout. uh, If he doesn't report the mandatory reporting date next month with his teammates or at any point thereafter um, and and does not fulfill his contract for any material period of time. And again, this is Tom Pellicero, uh, cook would not accrue the fourth season he needs to become an unrestricted free agent in march instead he would become a restricted free agent which means the vikings could uh basically uh retain him with a first round restricted tender um worth about four or five million dollars we've also seen reports that uh cook would be happy with uh, some uh, some deal worth 12 to 13 million dollars per uh i'm always for a young running back trying to get paid uh we know that's been problematic in the nfl uh for at least the last decade or if not more So, Bob, with with Cook potentially holding out, has he dropped in your rankings and how high have you moved up Alexander Madison, if at all?
3: Uh, So Cook has not moved down in my rankings. He remains at number four. He will remain there throughout the contentious part of these negotiations. The public portion of negotiations are always the most contentious. What we hear what we heard previous to this is Dalvin Cook, uh, excited, enthusiastic, talking about possibly 2000 yards from scrimmage, working under Gary Kubiak. I'm all about that, too. Um, Mm -hmm. We'd love to see that. We'd love to see him get paid as well. But, but I'm just, you know, we're very early on in the process, seeing someone come out and plant their flag, telling, saying they mean business is not, uh, is not surprising. Right. So uh, I'll kind of wait this one out and hold off. I will. I do think if I'm drafting Cook, I may, I may be willing to reach up a little bit on Madison. Uh, and, And I think anytime, any handcuff, when I feel like I have a reasonable plug and play, you know, possibility there. I think Madison is that, assuming he stays healthy. I mean, we saw Boone last year come into a little bit, but but I think Madison is the guy. So I would be willing to reach up for that, and that's what I'm looking for in a in a handcuff. Plug-and-play threat and an offense that's going to lean heavily on the running back either way, whoever's in the, the ballgame, and I think that would be the case in Minnesota. So, yeah, and you're all in yeah. on Cook all in on Madison uh, at a, at a, at a slightly inflated price
2: too. Right. Yeah. You're, you're seeing his, uh, his ADP rise in best ball. He's going uh, a little bit earlier than he had been before this news. Hopefully Dalvin and the Vikings can, can sort of get this thing uh, sewn together. And uh, we're all good for the start of the 2020 season. Uh, next up a- in Atlanta. And and we've heard some news out of Atlanta, right? I mean, like typically, you know, June is kind of a slow time for NFL news, but we're hearing a lot of stuff. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about, uh, Falcons O.C. Dirk Cutter, who has said that he expects to see a jump in Calvin Ridley's game in 2020. Now, as a fantasy owner, I would love that. I'm a big fan of Ridley. When you look at the numbers this kid put up last year, towards the end of the season, it was about a four-game stretch. He was one of the best wide receivers in fantasy football. That's when Austin Hoover was out. Hooper is no longer with the team now, of course, with the Cleveland Browns. So, Bob, with with Cutter excited about Ridley... Uh, and fantasy owners excited about Ridley. Where does he fall in your wide receiver rankings, and, and in what round are you targeting uh, this talented young wide receiver?
3: I, I think for me, he look. He I would rather have him. So a lot of times when what happens for me is when I see two receivers that I really like a lot. One is way more expensive. I'm hoping everyone's chasing the way more expensive guy. I think Ridley's coming off. Maybe as a wide receiver too, coming off. Well, I think on Fal- fantasy calculator right now, after twelve for sure. I think what fourteen right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty reasonable price in PPR. I don't want to overpay, and I think maybe on Julio you are overpaying. You're counting he's wide receiver five. You're paying up for that premium, the name. So in all these cases, almost every time where I have two high end receivers, it may even uh, extend to the Buccaneers at some point. Where Godwin, I love Chris Godwin, but I like I'm old and mean and uh, cheap, and <laughs> I want to pay a little less, right? So I'm always looking for the discount, and I think in this case Ridley's a reasonable discount. Although I do think you know the change to Hayden Hurst is going to is going to have a little impact, especially with the way Matt Ryan's talking him up right now. We'll see. Uh, that's a guy who's going to rise an awful lot. Maybe he'll attract some attention as well.
2: By the way, you're not mean. Uh, you maybe right. may, 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 may getting on the, uh, you know, close to old, but you're not mean. I mean, come on. Don't, Let's see. Don't and tell me short. You and, and you look <laughs> handsome and you look tremendous. So I don't care. Age is just a number. Um, speaking of age is just a number. Maybe in this case, uh, that's a different story. Todd Gurley past his Falcons physical, right? And we talk about Gurley being a 25-year-old. He's a young man, right? He's a young man, but yeah. how, old, how old are his knees? I mean, like, that's, that's sort of it. Like, I, I remember Terrell Davis, who uh, is a buddy of mine and a, a, not a not only a Hall of Famer, but a great dude. But, you know, TD, you know, was a young man as well, but his knees had taken a pounding, uh, especially with all the carries and the touches that he endured uh, during his career with the Broncos. Now, Gurley came into last season with a lot of question marks because of the knees. And uh, went out and, and really was unreliable in the first half of the season. And in the second half, the Rams more or less unleashed him. And he he was much more uh, of a very viable fantasy option. Now, Gurley is healthy, at least based on uh, what Atlanta's uh, doctors found with the physical. Does this make you want to draft Todd Gurley a little bit higher uh, you know, right now? He's. 14th or 15th off the board at the running back position, um, right in the middle of the top of that that RB2 conversation. So where are you drafting Gurley after this news? And does this change your opinion on him one way or another?
3: You know, Dirk Cutter continues to make me incredibly nervous about this. He is like downplaying the, the ability, the possibility, don't know what he has in the tank, I think was the quote from Cutter. Um and you know, our friend, our serious colleague Bradham threw out some numbers, you know, the the metrics don't, you know, the the, the deep dive in the numbers don't look great for Gurley. But mm-hmm. I look at it this way. I'm looking for the volume, right? And I'm looking for clear paths to workload. And as much as, you know, uh, Brian Hill had a great game last year. It wasn't that great, Quadre Allison. I'm not excited about. I think right. Gurley has that clear path to workload. So, yeah, look, there's a lot of guys in that price range I like an awful lot. He is among them. Because what are the Falcons? I mean, they have no reason to preserve him. They're all in, obviously, make, making a push uh, for a championship. He's on a one-year deal. Get what you can out of him. And I guess some of this comes down to your faith and what you believe Gurley's still capable of. And if you look down this stretch last season, I mean, it wasn't as horrible as maybe, you know, you would have expected based on the usage early in the season. So I, I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. fine at this price right now.
2: And I mean, I don't think there's an argument, right? Like there's there's less competition in the backfield in Atlanta than there was at least perceived in Los Angeles last year when they brought in Daryl Henderson. Uh, Malcolm Brown uh, obviously was still in the mix there too. So I see and volume is king in fantasy football. And right. yeah, I, I get some of the metrics might not look great, but I mean, if he gives me 14 touchdowns, uh, you know, metrics be damned. Uh, and I feel like he can get into that uh, in that area. And also keep in mind, listen, man, I mean, Atlanta's offense is going to be good. It's going to be really good. So right. there's going to be opportunities for Todd Gurley uh, sticking with Atlanta. Boy, we're talking a lot of Falcons today. But they have been in the news, right? Uh, Matt Ryan uh, did a, a, a Zoom session earlier this week, and he talked up Hayden Hurst, who's one of my favorite late-round tight ends to target. Ryan described Hurst as, quote, uh, one of the fastest and most athletic tight ends I've ever played with. I, he's pl- he's played with some good tight ends, man. Like, let, let's see. Um Austin Hooper was pretty good last year. Right now, there's another guy that played in Atlanta a few years back. What was his name? Uh, uh, Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, that, 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 that Gonzalez. I mean, so I, hell, that I, again, it's high praise. Maybe it's motivational, uh, but this is this is noteworthy because they've been working out together. Ryan and Hurst have, and Hurst is in a spot where. I'm not going to say he's going to inherit all of Austin Hooper's targets, but you're looking at over 90 available targets just on Hooper's departure alone, Bob. So Hayden Hurst right now is getting drafted uh, probably as a low tight end one, a high tight end two. You know, what's this, what's this ceiling in Atlanta?
3: Dirk Cutter did a little of that play calling for Tony Gonzalez, heavily targeted the tight end, obviously then for the obvious reasons, but also with Hooper, we saw the numbers grow uh, the last few seasons uh, under Cutter. And I would expect a similar role, right? And, and if they have this level of faith in him, look, I, I like the fact that he's, you know, working with Ryan. That's something Hooper did the last few years and certainly worked out for him. Uh, at this point, the price is starting to rise th- to where I'm, you know, zagging a little bit, right? Everyone seems to be zigging his way. Most of this uh, rising ADP I blame on my uh, football diehards co-host, Mike Dempsey, who will <laughs> draft the hell out of him. I mean, he finds his guy and he's locked in on him. And if, I'm, if we're drafting and drafts together early in best balls we were driving the price up single-handedly because we're both trying to snake out from each other. But, but I think in this case, when you look at him right now, you know, tight end 10, right. Uh, Jared mm-hmm. Cook going after him. Look, I'm not big on Austin Hooper, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of high end talent. I think or guys that are on the rise this year at tight end, which hasn't been the case in previous years, seemed like kind of a morass of, of uh, mediocrity. You know, once mm-hmm. you've got outside that top tier, now it seems like there's at least some guys that, that offer some encouraging uh, promise. So, I'm not, there's coming, we're getting to the point where I'm starting to throttle back, right? I'm just going, okay, maybe I have enough year shares. I got them at a re, more reasonable price that people are paying now. I'll live with those and find another cheaper option.
2: And, you know, we always talk about how there's value at the quarterback position late. Let's look back at last year's tight end position. Okay. Uh, Darren yeah. Waller was third and he was a late run pick. Mark Andrews was fifth. He was a late run pick. Austin Hooper was sixth. He was a late run pick. Jared Cook was seventh. He was a late run pick. Tyler Higby was eight. He wasn't drafted. Uh, right. and da- I mean, you know, Dallas Goddard, Mike Gusecki, uh, all in the top 12. So you can get value at this position. And if you tend to wait on tight ends, if you don't want to get, you know, one of the elite guys or, you know, even a Gronk or, I mean, at this point too, like I'd rather, I'd rather get Gesicki or Hayden Hurst uh, based on where they're going to be going as opposed to Rob Gronkowski or Austin Hooper based on where they're going to go because a little bit more name value. But there's other guys, Bob, TJ Hawkinson, Blake Jarwin. Oh. How about them Cowboys? Uh, Noah Fant, uh, Johnny Smith, Chris Herndon, Ian Thomas, like Jay Sternberg. the position is loaded with young talent ready to break out. Right. So if you don't get out and grab one of the top four or five tight ends, uh, and if you pass on like, you know, Hunter Henry, who's going to go somewhere, you know, what, maybe sixth, seventh round, Evan Ingram, you know, those guys, there's still some really good value out there. And, you know, that might be a position where you draft two tight ends and you see which one pans out. Maybe they both will. And uh, you, you play the upside game at that position, and, I think. And that I think streaming is
3: streaming is always an option at that position as
2: well. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, moving on to the great northwest in Seattle. Carlos Hyde, uh, new Seahawks running back, uh, told the reporters this week that everybody knows Chris Carson is the starter and that's not news to fantasy owners because it's pretty obvious Chris Carson when he was available last year was tremendous he was reliable he was a strong RB2 but he is coming off uh, of a hip injury Uh, Rashad Penny's coming off of a knee injury which was a late season knee injury and uh, from what I've read it's a more serious ACL than maybe the 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 everyday ACL tear I guess so Penny is probably going to end up on the PUP list. So knowing that Carson's going to be the starter, all things being equal, assuming he's going to be back to 100%, where are you comfortable drafting Chris Carson? And do you feel like Carlos Hyde is going to put any sort of dent into his touches in 2020?
3: No, because Rashad Penny, a first-round pick of the Seahawks, barely put a dent in. I mean, he had some flash games and big games, man. It just seems like Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer are all in on on, uh, Carson. Uh, Fumbles, whatever. Uh, They just keep rolling him out there, and he keeps getting the job done from a fantasy perspective reasonably well. Um, I like him as a running back, too. You can maybe wait a little bit, take your chances, see if he makes it to three. Probably won't. But a later, two is where he's going. I love that value. He's in current best ball. He's my must-own player.
2: Yeah. It, and I've gotten him in drafts as a flex starter. And I'm just, I, I got that little, that little smile on my face, you know, like the cat that got the canary sort of like, oh. Speaking harris right, he, he, aver- he, he averaged over 15 points a game yeah. last
3: year. And I think that, you know, that's pretty solid for running back too. And he has that touchdown upside uh, that we love and and they seem to be determined to run the ball, even with all the talent in their passing
2: attack, bro. He averaged two tenths of a point less than Nick Chubb last year. Like, right. I mean, he's a good player and I don't think Carlos Hyde's going to put a big dent in, into that uh, into that touch here. Carlos Hyde all.
3: doesn't think so either.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, that's that's a player that obviously we're hoping that there's no setbacks. At this point, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Uh, Chris yeah, watch Carson could end up being yeah. Chris Carson could be uh, a very a very nice bargain uh, for some fantasy owners. Now let's move on to my beloved Dallas Cowboys uh, and CD Lamb. And uh, C.D. was quoted recently as saying that, uh, well, I mean, what is the goal of his career in the NFL? He wants to be a Hall of Famer. And I now want to hear that because I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a fantasy owner. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, C.D. Lamb uh, exceeds, uh, at the very least, meets expectations coming out of college Uh was ranked by many including daniel jeremiah as the top wide receiver in the 2020 class just basically could do it all and you know if he had landed on a team say like the raiders for example or the jets who really needed a number one we'd be talking about this guy as a potential sleeper slash breakout candidate but because he went to dallas we already have amari cooper sorry i say we this is you know over 40 years of being a fan uh or you know chris carson i'm uh, sorry uh, uh michael Gallup is in the mix uh, blake jarwin's in the, so there's a lot of mouths to feed in dallas and that's why i feel like his value is sort of slid a little bit but at this point do you see there being a scenario where CeeDee lamb could potentially overtake maybe not cooper but at least michael Gallup as the number two wide receiver in Dallas as a rookie or are we sort of uh, in a way in sort of a, a waiting process here and he's going to be okay for the next couple of seasons and then after that is his breakout
3: yeah, I think this is more of a longer-term play for me, and it's worth noting our buddy Mike Clay. He has in, you know, has his his dynasty ranking. CD Lamb as his number one wide receiver this year coming out, uh, and, mm-hmm. and and that's for a reason. I mean, he's a hell of a playmaker, and I I do think he's a guy that's going to develop. But I think the role has to develop. Gallup is, you know, relatively well established. Uh, Cooper just got paid, so I think you know he retains his role. So we see the shiny new thing, and we tend to jump at it a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. and i get that i'm not gonna i'm not buying too heavily look this is not for me to year in redraft to, to be chasing rookie wide receivers right i mean i'm gonna play safer plays guys that are established in offenses that they're familiar with my the quarterbacks they've been playing with to the degree possible and when it's not then maybe i start taking some chances I, I don't know if lamb's even on the top of my list of redraft rookies right now
2: okay uh and uh, for me as a Cowboys fan, I'll probably take a later on flyer on him because why not? So let's get off the Cowboys topic. Let's talk about the Giants. And, Eddie, I want to get you in on here, too, because you are a resident uh, New York Giants fan slash expert slash homer. And uh, the Athletics' Dan uh, Dugan is reporting that Daniel Jones is training specifically to increase his ball security. He had 18 fumbles last year, over 12 starts, and he lost 11. Uh, That's those are Dave Craig kind of numbers. If you don't know who Dave Craig is, go and Google him. OK, he was a fumble machine and Daniel Jones was a fumble machine. Now, with that being said, he's my favorite quarterback sleeper for 2020. Uh, Eddie, trying to put the homerism aside. How high do you think Daniel Jones could finish among fantasy quarterbacks in 2020? Because every single year we see a guy move up. I mean, you know, last year it was Lamar. The year before it was Patrick Mahomes. It happens all the time. Is Daniel Jones that guy this year? well I mean they
4: they spend three draft picks on offensive line and obviously the premier one being Andrew Thomas so that's that's a a major help with his ball security Uh, the second thing was they're between their running backs their tight ends and their receivers none of them were all healthy at the same time last year Um, so you combine that with his protection now you have everyone like Saquon Evan Ingram Shepard Golden Tate all healthy and obviously his new favorite target is uh, Darius Slayton so you gotta like that and uh, you know obviously the other thing was he was a rookie last year now he's a uh, a sophomore he learned the offense more i trust jason garrett i know former cowboy um but i think he's a perfect a uh you uh, know offensive coordinator for jones to to learn more and just be comfortable i mean he could run which helps in fantasy i'm not gonna be that crazy and say top 10 but i would not be surprised if he's in the upper half of uh of the league this year
2: yeah and i know bob you're a big fan of danny dimes as well right
3: I am. Uh, and I'm everything you guys said, uh, look, it is a new offense for him, uh, but I, I agree with Eddie, the, the, the Jason Garrett component helps him as well. But just the, you know, a year in the league, we saw those huge games from last to the talent around him. I'm drafting him when we start hitting the double digits, I'm starting to, you know, the antenna come up and the Jones lock goes on. And if I can combine him with Slayton, <laughs> uh, another player who I like, I think that's great. And, and right now, I mean, I'm mostly drafting a best ball. I think they're, that's an ideal combo for best ball. We saw some of the huge games that he had last year. He had a number of 25-plus-point games. Uh, I really like him. And then one of the things that I do, and, and and I think it's wise with him in this case, is maybe if you reach for him a little bit to secure him and believe in the upside, there are going to be quarterbacks you can get after him that are the steady Eddies, I call them the guys that you're going you're gonna to have. You know their job is secure. You know they're going to be moderately productive. And you can just grab one of those guys and, and kind of feel comfortable. And if things go south, you can make a move in the season. But I have really high hopes for uh, Daniel Jones.
2: Yeah. And in that report out of The Athletic, uh, apparently Danny uh, Danny Dimes reached out to Tony Romo, who, uh, remember, had some ball security issues uh, early on in his career. Now, I don't know how I feel about that. OK, like, you're a cowboy. We don't want to help the Giants. Like, come on, we got to play these guys twice a year. That's our big rival outside of the Redskins. The Redskins probably ain't going to be that good this year. I think the Giants, you know, maybe could surprise some people. So, regardless. Uh, Eddie, got- Eddie, this
3: is why I hate all 32 teams equally. <laughs> I can't believe
2: there. <laughs> oh, man, sorry. Uh, I, I, hey, man, quarterbacks, they all got to stick together, right? So, uh, we're all good. So, uh, that was the news, my friends.
1: That was the news.
2: All right, let's move on to the next topic. And and again, June is kind of a slow time for NFL news, but we have been hearing a lot of talk about certain backfields around the National Football League. And running backs are the lifeblood of fantasy football. I've been a running back truther ever since I started in this injury or industry over 20 years ago. I've always loved running backs. I'm going to continue to always love running backs. So I want to talk about the running backs. We already talked about Seattle with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, but there's been other backfields in the news that uh you know, we've seen some interesting headlines. Uh, so out of Baltimore, Mark Ingram was tremendous last year. What uh, was a touchdown machine? Run-based offense under under Greg Roman. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the backfield. Uh, a hell of an attack. Now you've got J.K. Dobbins in there, and we've seen reports out of Baltimore that all – they've said all four running backs are going to have a role. So you're talking about Ingram, you're talking about Dobbins, Gus Edwards, uh, and Justice Hill. I feel like if there's any kind of role for Gus Edwards uh, or, or Justice Hill, it's going to be uh, on the backside. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're talking about very small roles. But the big competition here is between Ingram and Dobbins. And, Bob, I feel like Ingram is almost a lot to be the starter. But, I mean, let's keep in mind, I mean, you know, 30 years old. It uh, doesn't have a ton of wear and tear on his body compared to some other guys right. of his age. But, you don't bring in J.K. Dobbins and sit him on the bench. This guy is a hell of a back who I think could end up being an absolute beast. Uh, long-term dynasty league, keeper league uh, kind of guy. So Ingram right now, and, and you're looking at Dobbins coming in. He's certainly affected uh, Ingram's ADP. Where are you comfortable drafting Ingram? And do you feel like there's a scenario where Dobkin, Dobkins can, can usurp him as the starter in 2020?
3: Yeah, and uh, I'm not comfortable drafting Ingram. He's going on. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are other guys in his range that I'm comfortable with uh jonathan taylor going right before him it would be an ideal pick but a 26 running back off the board i think he has that capability and i think he'll start off as you said as a starter but i i agree with everything you said about dobbins and to me dobbins is that guy that's going to come on late one of those players that you're going to draft a little later who's going to maybe win you a title and and those are the kind of guys we want to draft he's coming off fairly low i'm surprised at how low he's still coming off right now uh, I think he's, what, in the 50 range? On, uh-huh. uh, fan- oh, no, no, I'm sorry, he's 34. So 34. He's, it's, he's moving up. But, but even that, you know, I think it's a pretty reasonable play, and maybe you have to wait on him a little bit. One of the issues for a lot of these rookie running backs is going to be their ability to pass, protect. I don't know if that's as big a deal in Baltimore as it is in other places, right? Because you're playing with Lamar Jackson, who, you know, last year led the team in rushing. Uh, I do think the thing about Ingram, though, he can be a viable play early on if you get him at the right price. He has a long history, as you mentioned, of sharing, you know, going back through New Orleans. Uh, his 1000 yard seasons have come later on, so the wear and tear is not as heavy as it would be for normal, for other 30-year-old backs. So mm-hmm. I'm okay playing him. I just want to get him at the right price, and there's maybe some guys I like in that same range that have more upside.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like Dobbins, in the right scenario, could be a league winner. I really do. Yeah, um, totally agree. Love his talent. Uh, moving on, the Colts, and we've heard Frank Wright talk about – Naheem Hines and how he thinks he can catch 10 passes in a game. And then we've heard about him talking about Marlon Mack and saying, you know, that, that there's inherent respect for the starter returning. And then uh, we've also heard the comments about Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack being uh, a one, one punch, which is a punch to the gut of fantasy owners who uh, love Jonathan Taylor. So do you, do you see a scenario where this is a 50, 50 split between Taylor and Mack Uh, And and maybe not 50-50 totally because Naheem Hines is going to obviously get uh, some opportunities as a pass catcher out of that backfield. But are are we overrating Jonathan Taylor in redrafts and are we underrating Marlon Mack? Or is this all just coach speak and Jonathan Taylor is going to be the guy sooner rather than later?
3: All of those things are true. I am currently overrating (laughs) him. I'm way overpaying for Jonathan Taylor there will be a split to some degree and Jonathan Taylor will be a great play in the end. Look, he's an ideal fit for this offense, size, speed, power, all the things you want running behind that road grading offensive line. I love a Marlon Mack heading into a contract here. You know, his role is going to depend on what he does with the turns he gets. um, But I, I expect a lot out of Taylor. Nick Hines is the wild card. We've heard Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, the head coach, offensive coordinator, Formerly with the Chargers, both of them, you know, invoked the name Danny Woodhead, uh, who they call a yes. role playing starter. And, you know, he was a significant chunk of that offense in, you know, in San Diego at the time. So um, that's a little more of a concern than probably it should be for me right now, just because as I think about it, I think, wow, that'd be a significant chunk. But I think in the end, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a, you know, you look at his body of work in college and, and you look at his speed and size. I just think he's a great fit for what the Colts want to do with that offense.
2: Yeah. I have seen him dropping a little bit. If you look at fantasy football calculator right now, he's going he in is. the fourth round uh, after guys like Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert. Don't <laughs> think I agree with that. I, yeah, I have I'm, him ranked higher though, than that. Right.
3: But, right because
2: though. exactly. So uh, there was, there was that big surge after the draft. And then when you hear Reich starting to talk and that sort of affected his, his ADP and, at this point, I mean, if you're if you're doing a best ball draft, this might be a good time to go out and get Jonathan Taylor because uh, his value has dropped uh, just a little bit. Moving on, uh, another AFC South team, the Tennessee Titans, and there's not really a lot to talk about in terms of the Titans' backfield. It's going to be Derrick Henry on first down, Derrick Henry on second down, uh, but will it be Derrick Henry on third down? Okay, so uh, Titans uh, OC Arthur Smith has said that uh, Henry's workload for this upcoming season depends on how games go. Hey, Arthur, you did a great job last year. Don't stop giving him the football. Okay. You know, what's going to, what's going to be the biggest uh, sort of dependence on how your games go. How many times you give Derrick Henry the football with that being said, Derrick Henry is a locked and loaded first round pick, but do we go after Darrington Evans late in draft, Mr. Harris, because he is almost certainly going to see a role in this offense. Not me. I'm I'm not, I'm I'm going
3: to stick with Derrick Henry. Look, he's look, Derrick Henry playing on the tag. Uh, We're talking about the guy coming off leading the league in carries, yardage, rushing touchdowns, looking for a guy that had 650 more yards after contact than anyone else in the league, right? And -hmm. down the stretch is when he seems to come on and do his best working with the Titans. I think a reflection of their coach, Mike Vrabel, you know, wants to be that smash mouth team. And plus they play the Jaguars twice a year and and he's going to score a thousand points each in both those games. So, (laughs) Um, But no, in all seriousness, uh, you know, some of this talk, you know, is a little harder for me to buy into. Uh, I think, you know, we can look at what they had with Deion Lewis, where they had that kind of smaller, more explosive player. Uh, he just didn't see a lot of time. Maybe Evans does. Um, he's another smaller guy, 203 pounds, not not a big body. So he's quick. He's got all those kind of things. And Deion Lewis had him too. Yep. Deion Lewis not there anymore.
2: So I, I feel like the rookie is worth a later on flyer. Uh, and especially in this in this sort of coronavirus sort of world that we're living in, if you expand sure. your rosters, and I actually talked about that on Fabs 5 uh, on Fantasy Dirt this week, then Evans certainly is, is a is a worthwhile late-round flyer, especially if you uh, go out and get Derrick Henry in the first round. So moving on to Tampa Bay now. So when the Bucs drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, we were all, oh, Keyshawn Vaughn, love him, sleeper, sleeper running back. He's going to be great. You know, no Peyton Barber. Ronald Jones uh, hadn't really secured anything there uh, in a couple of years with the Bucs. But then you hear talk about Devontae Freeman, okay? And Freeman's looking for a little more money than teams are willing to pay a guy at his age, uh, especially considering he's coming off an injury-plagued season. Uh, We've heard Bruce Arians say, um, you know, that if if his price tag was reasonable, the Buccaneers might think about signing him. Does this give you any pause with the Mm -hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn hype? Because if the Buccaneers were set at running back, I feel like Arians would basically just say, no, we got our guys. We're good. We're not interested in Devonta Freeman. Instead, he said that he would consider him if the price tag was reasonable.
3: Uh, You know, I'm not, I have not been like chasing these guys, either any Tampa Bay running backs hard. I do think uh, your colleague Cynthia Freeland mentions, you know, that he does that. bond seems to fit what Tom Brady does best, that short uh, passing attack. So, there's maybe a little something there and like neither him or Ronald Jones Ronald Jones are going very high. They're 32 and 35. I think right now Mm -hmm. this might be another case where I'm going for the cheaper guy and Ronald Jones. I mean, we've seen Arians use multiple backs. Um, We'll see if Devonta Freeman comes in and throws a a bit of a kink into this. I think for right now, both guys are reasonably priced. Um, I think I'll, I'll have shares of both of them. If I'm probably drafting 10, Time, if I'm drafting a bucks back 10 times, probably I'm going uh, with the cheaper one seven times out of the
2: 10. Interesting, interesting. I mean, listen, Ronald Jones saw some flashes last year. I just feel like he's been underwhelming uh, overall in the NFL. And when, you know, you see the Buccaneers draft another running back, is it for depth purposes and there's going to be a committee situation, you know, much like there was last year with Peyton Barber? Or did they draft Vaughn to come in and compete to be the guy? And that's the big question. Yeah. Mark. Right. And, and, and I
3: mean, Br- he's been... A- He's been effective as a rusher and receiver. He was at Vanderbilt, you know, You mm-hmm. wonder about the level of competition, things like that. But, I, but I mean, he was pretty productive uh, when they asked him to be in. He does, maybe is a good fit. I'm just not sold on, you know, either back. Just the Tampa Bay backfield has not been that appealing for a while, and I don't know that it changes materially this year.
2: Uh, last backfield here to talk about, uh, which has been in the news, is is the Niners backfield, and you know we all know obviously they traded away Matt Breida, uh, so right now it looks like it's going to be the Raheem Mostert slash Tevin Coleman show. Although Jarek McKinnon is still in the mix, you know it's sort of like outside mm-hmm. out of mind, but he actually still plays for the Niners, and right. uh, whether and or not he can say right, whether or not he can stay healthy, uh, that remains to be seen. So uh, we've seen reports that uh, Mostert has uh, put on some more muscle. Uh, in order to to you know see more carries uh, in that backfield, and he was tremendous in the second half of last season. I mean, down the stretch he had some great games. He was he was as solid an RB two as there was in, in fantasy football. And now he comes in with less competition, although you know Jeff Wilson is still there as well. And I mentioned uh, Jared McKinnon, and clearly we're going to see Tevin Coleman in the mix too. How high are you drafting Mostert? And I mentioned he's going uh, ahead of guy like Jonathan Taylor right now on fantasy football calculator. Uh, or are you more interested, and I think I know the answer to this because I know Bob Harris pretty well, are you more interested in Tevin Coleman at a discounted price?
3: I think Coleman at a very discounted price. Okay, When you talk to the guys that cover the 49ers on a daily basis, as I did regularly last season, they were all waiting for the other to fall, right? Anytime you asked them about the running back, no one felt very comfortable. I do think most are, you know, pretty much solidified himself, especially in the postseason. He was just phenomenal. Uh, but remember, we're talking about a guy with 178 career carries, right? Uh, there's a reason he's been on so many teams. He's still, you know, we think about Damian Williams, the guy that was a journeyman that came into Kansas city In the right circumstances, he, he excelled. I think whoever's in that backfield in the right circumstance can excel. And there are going to be games where Devin Coleman has hit big games as well and you think back to Shanahan's history with him in Atlanta sharing with Devonta Freeman had a huge touchdown season He uh, was 2016 for the Falcons so I think <laughs> he is a capable player more of a best ball guy for me right now so I think that's how I would divide it up I'd still be a little more interested in in Raheem Mostert in in redraft leagues but in best ball I'm going for the cheaper option who will give me some spike games and I think Coleman will still do that
2: yeah. Uh Mostert, I feel like is going to end up being the, the one a in that backfield or the one in that backfield and Tevin Coleman will sort of be, you know, sort of one a, uh, as long as he can avoid injuries. But I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's not get things twisted. Right. I mean, Tevin Coleman had one big game last year, you know, he had that four right. touchdown game and then Mostert took over and was the guy.
3: Right. And and that's the thing. When you talk to beat writers, they all down the stretch, they kept expecting the okie doke, the Shanahan okie doke. right. The, yep. He's going to pull the rug out from under you as soon as you, uh, acknowledge that it's Mostert and that's his plan is to you know get opponents looking one way and then fainting the other way and that just never materialized mostly because Mostert was just dominant and look Mm -hmm. whatever the case whichever you know whatever you're counting on and again Mostert maybe for redraft. what do we know for sure the the 49ers are going to run and play defense that is what got them where they went last year and and uh, I suspect that'll be more of the same this year
2: yeah, and Kyle Shanahan, man, he has got a very, very long and successful history of uh, running. hell, he made Carlos Hyde a stud. You remember that Carlos Hyde? I think had what fifty nine catches in Shanahan's offense in San Francisco uh, or uh, a few uh, several years ago. I mean, like he was, you know, Carlos Hyde was uh, was was very good. So um, let's move on to uh, the final segment here, and we're we're talking about national days right so like every every day of the year now has a day right so like uh earlier this week it was world oceans day and tuesday was national donald duck day by the way donald Duck yeah.
3: Day and national call your doctor day donald national D- strawberry right. blueberry pie day it yeah. was multiple days
2: All right so today we're, we're taping on wednesday it's national iced tea day okay um I, I, I couldn't really come up with the topic for national ice tea day because, okay. Uh, tomorrow is King Kami day. I don't know. I don't even know if I said that right. Thursday also is national corn on the Cobb day. And I was thinking maybe we talk about Randall Cobb, but what are we really going to say about Randall Cobb? You remember David Cobb. There was a, there, there's been a few Cobbs in the national football league over, over the history. Uh, uh, Patrick Cobbs, Reggie Cobb. Uh, but you know, not really any any fantasy stars. Then I look to Friday. It's National Loving Day, Bob Harris. It's la- la- yeah, I like that. Na- National Loving Day. So, Eddie, I want to get you in on this too. Give me a fantasy player that you are loving for 2020.
3: Uh first of all, I don't know why we're just blowing past ice tea day I love body cow. love uh you know don't hate to play oh, all that stuff how know? do i
2: how do i mix that into fantasy football though i don't know any ice references at all i have no idea
3: all right i think they're talking about the other <laughs> ice tea anyway i don't know i'm just guessing
2: <laughs> yeah okay um, all right that's what i'm thinking
3: like, so th- th- there's a few players i mean I-, I love everybody right but i especially love chris carson we talked about him uh i especially love uh, Derek, Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones, we talked about them. So I'll talk about the guy that I haven't talked about, which is uh, is uh, Mark Andrews. Again, I mean, I'm going to overpay for him. I do like the fact that he's going fourth, coming off mostly fourth. I'm seeing the other three, even Zach Ertz, who I don't know that he deserves to go off ahead of Mark Andrews. But I love Andrews, love his role. And I'm liking the price when I can pick him up maybe in the fourth round or, or mm-hmm. even a little later, I'm I'm locked in on him. And he. But behind Carson, he is my most known player in best balls right now.
2: Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Miles Sanders. I love Miles Sanders. Everybody knows I love Miles Sanders. Like, I mean, this just—I just love him. Um, Sanders is in a great position to succeed. Philadelphia did not do anything in the off season, at least not yet. Please don't sign Devontae Freeman um, to to hurt his value. Uh, Boston Scott will be behind him, and then Corey Clement. I, I don't see that as, as as a whole lot of competition for the featured role. Uh, over the second half of last season. I believe it was the last four or five games that Jordan Howard out. He averaged over 20 fantasy points a game. He averaged over 20 touches a game. He didn't get a whole lot of uh, hype coming out of Penn State because he played behind some guy named Saquon Barkley. But Miles Sanders is a hell of a back. He was great in his last year with the Nittany Lions. Last year, he showed flashes of potential. Uh, the Eagles offense should be pretty explosive. Let's put it that way. So I have Miles Sanders ranked in the top 10 among running backs. And I can... Absolutely see Miles Sanders being drafted at the end of the first round, uh, even in 10 team leagues. I really think that he is this year's big time breakout running back. So, uh, in honor of National Loving Day, I'm going to put my love out there for Miles Sanders. Eddie, how about you? And no Giants, okay? No, no Giants. I won't, I won't Give me somebody that you love in fantasy, a guy that you want on all your teams.
4: Uh, I can even give you they two, too, but one—the one, the main one—is is the main one is a guy that I was ahead of the curve of last year, and he's a friend of uh, our show, is Austin. Austin Eckler. Yeah. Um, I think. Even with the quarterback questions, I, I, I'm a bigger fan of Justin Herbert than most, but I also do think that if Tyrod Taylor does play the full season, I think he can get the job done. They have enough weapons, too, especially at receiver and tight end, that it won't be defenses ganging up Justin Austin Eckler, but he could do it all. Um, so I, lo- I love Austin Eckler. And uh, the other, this is more, maybe a, which player do you love going into 2021, but we will see flashes this season. And if Big Ben is fully healthy, the elbow is fine. Them getting Chase Claypool he's six foot four, 240 pounds. And this may be my Notre Dame bias speaking, but the guy is a tight end body with the wide receiver athleticism. He can go up and get it. Um, his combine numbers were ridiculous. I think big, I mean, any quarterback can fall in love with a guy that size. Yeah, and I think big great. Ben will. You know, this like ben, that I mean,
2: he's got, he's what the 15th quarterback off the board uh, on average right now in fantasy football calculator. It's all about the health. There's no question that if Roethlisberger plays 14 games, uh, minimum, yeah. he's gonna sling the. He, I mean, so if, the guy, the guy is averaged what uh, right around 38 pass attempts per game over his last, you know, two or three seasons. They're gonna throw the ball. And anyway, you bring in Juju coming back with Big Ben, and you've got Deontay Johnson, who everybody in fantasy loves, and you've got, uh, you know, Eric Ebron, who they brought in, and Chase Claypool as well. Uh, don't forget about James Washington. That offense got a little something, something going on there, Eddie. So, um, would you be confident enough to make Big Ben your number one quarterback or would he be a guy that you'd be drafting obviously late as your QB two who could eventually be your QB one? How how bold are you on Big Ben? Uh,
4: it, I mean, if it's a 12 team league and my team is pretty stacked uh, outside of yeah. quarterback, I think mm-hmm. I'd feel pretty good with Big Ben. It's just the one thing. Uh, maybe this is uh, Dave Damashek getting in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: um, uh, we, uh, where's Damoshek? We're talking Steelers, man. <laughs>
4: Uh, right. But the the, the 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 Steelers not talking about Big Ben's health for a long period of time did make me think like, oh, maybe his elbow actually is pretty screwed up. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that he's come out with some, you know, workout videos and pictures of him doing stuff, which I don't know what that really shows. But uh, if it is health, like you said, he will he will be slinging the ball. So I think if they do clear him to play, it'd be dumb not to because they do have weapons and he could extend plays and the offensive mm. line is great. Uh, so I, I do like the Steelers as a team this year, um, but they only go as far as big Ben. So, uh, but I, I do feel confident that, that Ben, he wouldn't be playing this year. I think if it was, if it was that serious, that's just my instinct.
2: And, and I'm sure big another ben one, another
4: that.
3: great, another
4: great best ball play because he plays half his games at home and he's really good there. He turns
3: out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but you're looking for those big spike games. He's a guy that delivers those in
4: space every year.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Um, Bob Harris, tremendous as always. I mean, I always say the hardest working man in fantasy football. One of the best guys you'll ever meet. He loves metal. By the way, um, uh, we interviewed Tommy Lee on uh, Fantasy Dirt this week. So you can check that out. He was awesome. I fanboy. I I was trying not to fanboy. I love Tommy Lee. I love him. So uh, check that out. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) I had the Miley Cruz shirt on and everything. Anyways, uh, thanks for joining us, pal. Um, uh, great as always, thanks, Eddie. Great job as always, my friend. Um, love hearing your takes, especially on uh, the New York football giants. Let's hope baseball comes back soon. Uh, everybody out there, be safe. Love one another. Make every day the best day you possibly can make it. And uh, Marcus will be back next week. We will see you then. Until then. Everybody be safe.